Okay. Well, a big welcome to all our viewers and listeners to Yakking the Everything About Nothing podcast brought to you by Peter Wright in Woodstock, Ontario, Canada, and co-hosted by Kathleen Beauvais in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. The podcast is also known as Beauty and the Beast for obvious reasons, and today the beauties far outnumber the beast. So we will get going. We have two guests on our program today, and I'm going to ask Kathleen to introduce our two guests before we go any further. Over to you, Kathleen. Yes, hello and welcome, everyone. It's uh, it's great to be here with you, Peter, and we do have two lovely guests. We have Vesna Leonard as well as Mary Palomarovic coming, broadcasting actually from <laughs> Serbia. And uh, I'll go with you, Vesna, uh, if you want to introduce yourself and uh, your business. Hello, thank you very much. Um, so our business is Works For You, and it's a software testing as a surface service <laughs> business. Um, we started 11 years ago, uh, mostly helping out startups in the Southern Ontario, uh, Canada area. Um, and it was just two of us to begin with, uh, helping the dev teams test and, and suss out processes and work together. Um, and now we've got a team of 10 um, that are, we're all fully remote. We've always been fully remote and that are in different places in the world, um, servicing all the startups that we can handle. <laughs> Excellent. And, and of course, Mary, he, Mary is my business partner with Carry Tech Solutions. And uh, Mary, I'll let you introduce what Carry Tech Solutions is all about. Yeah. Well, at Carry Tech Solutions, obviously, we, um, uh, we help um, companies uh, with their innovation and IT projects. And uh, whether it's uh, recruiting IT professionals for, for positions or whether it's project-based, um, that's, that's basically what we can um, offer in terms of our expertise and, and our services. And we do have a, a, you know, a large um, team here in Serbia. It's one of the top countries in the whole world in terms of uh, development um, expertise, number five. Um, and, uh, and so that's why we, and that's why we have um, such a strong base here in Serbia. And I'm here as well. I'm a Canadian gal who's been here in Serbia for the last 12 years. So uh, enjoying the warmer climate, although we got our very first snow this year, yesterday, fourth day of spring, wow. <laughs> we got to snow. it was a year with, the, with no snow, no, no snow this winter, but heck, this is the world we're living in, weird things are happening, so. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's really interesting. I think we got our last snow yesterday morning. <laughs> I was hoping it's, uh, we had quite a good snowfall. And I was hoping it was the last one. So I'm going to jump in here and, and uh, I put some questions ready for Vesna. Vesna, you, you're ideally placed because uh, for the benefit of our viewers and listeners in other parts of the world, I think the Kitchener-Waterloo region is the second biggest IT and tech center after Silicon Valley in California. Is that not right? Yeah, I believe so. I don't I don't know 100%, but definitely we're we're up there and we're known as Canada's Silicon Valley if you will. Um for sure there's there's a lot of startups, there's a lot of innovation. Um it's now coming into the high schools as well. So it's it's really good to see. Good. And I know we can't talk too much about it, but um we we have an incubation organization in your part of the world that fosters innovation in IT and tech, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so if I'm remembering, there's Velocity and Communitech, and there's quite a few different ones that are around here in this area. 
Great. So a good yeah. part of the world to be in. Now, yeah. I, although I, you, know, you can see from my beard, I'm fairly old and I started right at the beginning of computers. I was the first guy in the company I worked for to get an IBM PC, which was, of course, was state of the art with floppy <laughs> disks. And I did a little bit of um, programming on basic, writing my own menus and things. But that's about the limit of my software knowledge. So when it comes to testing, product testing, I immediately think of what they do with cars and furniture. They, for instance, take an office chair and they put a weight on it 565,000 times to see how it will stand up. I would have thought software either works or it doesn't work. So tell me about testing software. So that's a really big subject. Um, so there are very many different um, angles that you can take in terms of software testing. There's penetration testing, there's um, hacking, there's a whole bunch of different uh, things. The, the ones that we focus on specifically, it's focused on business needs, customer needs, and just kind of how the user is using it, if it's meeting their needs, if it's meeting the business needs, just more of a um, uh, like an exploratory testing. Um, it's very methodical, but it's very exploratory and very much based on how the user uses it. So it's not necessarily things that fail. It's how does a human use it? And does the human actually find it helpful? Is it fine? It's the human finding it productive. Um, if not, then why? Like why is this not matching their workflow? Why are they not using it the way we intended to use it? Um, and then just using that mentality when we're actually testing the software um, during all phases, so discovery, spec writing, um, coding, and then just before launch. Wow. So as you say, it's a huge subject. It is. So, something that I thought of um, triggered by, I, I built several WordPress websites and I run my blog and a business site. And of course, I have a lot of plugins and I keep getting little updates saying your or messages, you must update your plugin. And then my security system said every now and again says uh, it'll send a bulletin say this plugin has been found to have a backdoor entry for hackers or, or whatever. So oh. is that is that something that, that develops after a while that is not immediately apparent when the software is designed? Possibly. Um, and so I can't speak to this because I, I'm not into the security okay. part of things for sure. But um, I would suspect there are thing, a lot of different things at play, possibly whether the software that you're using or the plugin that you're using, maybe they're not supporting older versions or um, they're not taking into account this other software that you have going or there's, there's a lot at play there. Um, and again, I would, I would have to sit down and, and look at it. And sure. Okay, I'm going to jump over to Mary quickly in Serbia. Mary, sure. you, I know that you have a lot to do with software and you work with a lot of IT people. Are you into the testing bit as well? Or do you leave that to the experts like Vesna? No, no. Uh, well, Vesna is the expert in testing. I'm not going to touch that subject or topic. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we do have, um, I think that what our strength is, you know, in terms of um, is really connecting uh, the right people with the right companies um, in terms of projects and, uh, and really understanding the client needs. I think that's where we have a strong commonality, okay. you know, looking, looking at the side of the, the end user and, and the customer um, and making sure all sides are working properly and are coming together for the common goal. So um, definitely, um, you know, IT as a resource is in terms of talent and, uh, um, and, and matching that is, is where our strength is. But 
um, in this wonderful day and age where we can do remote working, which I think is, is really coming into play right now on a global, global level. So companies who've never even dipped their big toe into uh, remote working are now having to experience that. And, you know, there are some <clears throat> nuances around that, but I think that, you know, is what the common thing is, is that we're all, you know, experienced in that. So remote working is really the, our strength and uh, a normal thing for us. Um, so that's, um, it, you know, for us, it's business as usual, I think, in terms sure. of what's, what's going on now, but for many, okay. it's a good subject, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Mary. Uh, Vesma, back to you. Um, are you finding it business as usual with all this uh, shutdown and all the scare about Corona, or are you finding it's opening new opportunities for you? Um, for right now, it's, it's, I think a little bit early to tell for us, it's business as usual currently. Um, the only thing would be if something was up with our clients, which so far, you know, knock on wood, everything's okay. Um, but for us, our team is remote. We've been remote, like I said, for 11 years now. Um, so we've been set up for this. Um, I would love to help uh, our clients, but also anyone else who needs help kind of getting set up remotely. But I think it's been exciting to to see, as um, as Mary said, to see people um, who've never done this before kind of start to to dabble in it and and watch it unfold. It's something sure. I've been talking about for years, so it's really great to kind of see that. Oh yeah, it's it's something that I that I'm really interested in too because I see it's one of the huge advantages for looking after the environment if we can prevent millions of people driving 50, 60 kilometers down the highway every morning and. And having hundreds of thousands yeah. of acres under tarmac, it's got to be good for the world, you know. Yeah. So, but that's a, that's another story for another topic. So I'm going to I'm going to go to Kathleen. Yeah. Um, Kathleen, you've got some. Re we're talking remote working, so let's bring you in. You we when we were doing a video the other day about tips for remote working, you had one in particular about um, routine. Do you want to spend a minute or two talking about that? Right. And, and for a lot of people who are not used to working at home, uh, you know, we are because we've been doing it for, for many years. Mm -hmm. But for those that, you know, are so used to getting up and getting up in the morning and going to the office, it's it's it requires a, a different mindset altogether because you're home. So my tip is if anybody works from home is to treat it as though you are getting up in the morning to go to the office. Spruce yourself up like you would normally do um, and just get yourself into a routine. So you eat breakfast at a certain hour, you begin work at a certain hour, you take breaks at certain hours. And you'd be amazed how productive that you can be. But by doing that, it's just to fall into a new a new pattern, but keep to that pattern. And um, it, it would enhance productivity is what I would say, Peter. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's funny, I, I have a coaching partner who, who lives in Springfield, Illinois, and we've been coaching on and off for some years. We, we coach one another, unusual arrangement. And I was talking to her this morning, and she has a regular job working for one of their government departments. So she's on her first week at home working remotely. And I said, how's it going? She said, it is so difficult. She said, I don't know how you managed to be productive working from home. I've cleaned the kitchen. I've prepared some meals. And I've done no work. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, exactly what Kathleen was saying. Just looking ahead with what we know about the effects of the coronavirus, how, how do you see, change, see the effects, um, assuming a lot of people will stay as remote workers for time to come? Do you see a big impact on your business, say, in six months or a year? Do you think it's going to change a lot? I, 
I don't know. Possibly. I mean, possibly there's going to be more remote workers um, that will fill positions, but also there will be more opportunities, I think, because people are more open to it. Um, especially here, I found in Southern Ontario, um, it's been kind of a, a button seat requirement for quite a while. Um, although we have worked with a lot of great companies who were open to it. Um, the US I'm finding over there, they're more open to remote work. So it's been wonderful. And I think it will be wonderful now that a lot of people who are doing it here in Southern Ontario can actually um, see how it works and how productive it can be compared to what they've been doing thus far. I really, mm -hmm. I'm excited about that part of it. Great. Yeah, so now I got a question for Mary now, and then I'll come back especially for your views and Kathleen on this one. If we look at what business has just been saying, more people working remotely in, in the days and years ahead, mm -hmm. and maybe this is a permanent trend, perhaps it's never going to go back to the old system. And then we look at the advances in artificial intelligence and, and all that's happening there. So we've got huge, two huge disruptions to the normal way of life. When these, as these converge in the years ahead, Mary, what do you, how do you see that affecting our lives and, and our children's lives? Anything in particular? You know, that's a really interesting question when you mention children's lives. I think our children are be becoming exposed to this this way of, of um, life already. I mean, they're much more naturally electronically inclined through social media and contacts. And currently, as in many places in the world, Serbia, um, children are online learning. They've been home for over a week now. Um, so they are remote working as well. They're remote learning and um and seeing how you know google forums are working submitting uh homework um you know all of the teachers in every of the classes uh that my my son has he's he's in a grade eight now he's 14 so he's um he's watching the classes um via um actually the national television station has dedicated one whole station and channel. Uh, so at a certain time of the day, and they had that ready already Monday morning, the Friday afternoon schools were shut down and uh, they already had an organized uh, schedule. So the kids didn't really miss much of school. Uh, so my son has his mathematics, his uh, language, and every day it rotates, whether it's geography, physics, chemistry, ge you know, biology, whatever. And he sits and watches it, but he can do it watch it on on replay via um online and uh, submitting submitting homework um uh, viber uh groups uh, whatsapp viber whoever's using what whichever uh between the between the teachers so there's already that 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 understanding of this is what it means to be productive and working even though i'm not sitting in a classroom or you know in a working environment that's that's that we're all there together but we still have work to do and there's expectations and there's a schedule so this is quite interesting uh how will um so i think our kids are getting their first serious taste as we are as parents as well of how this can function and again, preparing them for the future, which I'm certain will be a big, big part of, of their working environment and working life. The thing that always, um, you know, as a parent, and I have two children, you know, we try and uh, prepare our kids for the world based on what we know and what we understand. But, but what we don't understand is what will this new world be like when they're ready to, you know, jump into the workforce. There's going to be so many positions and so many jobs that haven't even been invented yet. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, 
And so, um, and so it's really difficult, you know, as, as long as they're flexible and I think flexibility and adaptability is always the main thing for, uh, surviving any type of change or being ready to, to, to constantly learn and adapt. Artificial intelligence is all about taking all those massive reams of data and getting through it and understanding and predicting and making things a little bit easier. So it's going to be quite interesting how, in the next few years, um, things might be easier with even remote working. That's you right. Know, no. How that good, would be. Good point. So education and remote working, two big impacts. Kathleen, what about you? Where do you see those two disruptions affecting our, our and our children's lives ahead? Uh, I, I echo Mary's sentiments on that. I think we're seeing um, a pattern. I, I remember speaking with somebody who um, was a talent scout and they were saying to me that, you know, in the next 10 years, this was maybe a couple of years ago. And she said to me that in the next 10 years, we're going to see uh, the majority of workforce, actually a, a huge percentage working remotely. And you know what? I think we're seeing, we're seeing that now mm-hmm. that yeah. that is happening now, not in 10 years, but it's happening now. Um, and it's working. I think, I think employers who were skeptical at first and are now forced to look at, uh, you know, employing remotely are seeing that it actually does work. It might require some adjustments, uh, some tech, um, you know, so a little bit of knowledge of tech. Um, but even, and Vesna, you can speak to this too, because you have a team that is spread out remotely, but there are ways of making everybody feel like they're still part of a team, that they're working as a team. So, I mean, there's different platforms like um, like Zoom, like Slack and, you know, WhatsApp and, and so many different platforms now with technology to make people feel like although they're working in separate environments, are still working as one cohesive team. What are your thoughts on that, Vesna? Yeah, definitely. Um, communication is key. Um, and that's something that we've learned that you really need to kind of focus on um, and, and ensure that you're, you're not assuming that everyone's understood you and um, just text, especially if you're using Slack and stuff like that and communicating through that really helps. But definitely, I agree with both yourself and Mary um, in terms of kids as well. Uh, so I've got a bit of a unique situation. We've got three kids and and back in 2011, we went fully nomadic when a lot of people weren't working remotely. Um, so we were remote nomads um, and the kids were with us 24 seven. So we were homeschooling them, traveling around the world. So they've been homeschooling, world schooling for a while, <laughs> online learning for a very long time. So for them, this is just kind of like sliding back into, you know, what they were doing prior to three years ago. Um, and they, they love it. I know how powerful it can be. Uh, it's all about, um, same with working from home or working remotely. It's all about just kind of keeping your schedule, keeping your rhythm and keeping on top of things. And, and again, communication. I think with the kids too, one of the things that has come up is um, there are children in rural areas or children who possibly don't have um, internet connection or computers and that. So I think as a society, if we're going to continue this way, uh, you know, making sure that everyone has uh, networking up in their area or, you know, computers or whatever, that these kids are also taken care of as well. Um, and, and I think, I think personally, it's very exciting 
working remotely as well, because now you're including everybody, people who are caring for elderly parents, people who are caring for children, people who might not have the same accessibility to buildings or, you know, or, or getting to an office in a main city, right? So this really opens up the talent to so much more. Um, if we can really embrace it and make that work, I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, no, you're right. There's something else that I think it's going to do, um, this combination of AI and remote work, I think it's going to be the lifeblood for small towns and villages right across the Western world. You know, they've been dying for the last hundred years. Right? Uh, I think the statistic said that uh, what at the turn of the century, when it became 1900, 75% of North Americans lived in either on farms or in little villages and only 25% in cities. And now it's, it's something like 85, 15, the other way around. Mm -hmm. So I, I think our government in Ontario is making sure that we get high-speed internet to all the small villages and towns and rural areas. And this, I think, is going to save a lot of those towns. And, that, and with that, given that people are going to work remotely and perhaps children getting the bulk of their education online, it, living in a small village enhances the quality of life and ensures you still have the face-to-face -face personal uh, interaction with other people on the ground, which you might not get in cities because of worries about crime, if everything is online. So that's one area I see a huge improvement coming with those two, two um, converging trends. And another one, if I jump in quickly, the nature of work is changing as we know, and we're talking about IT and people working creatively and coding and this sort of thing. I think it's going to increase the demand for people with trades because I don't care how good AI gets. If Mrs. Smith on the 16th floor of a, an apartment building needs her toilet unblocked at two o'clock in the morning, I don't see a robot or a computer program doing that. So uh, you know, I'll give the example of my son who works remotely for an insurance company and has been for six years. I said, what are you going to tell your kids to, to study? He said, well, if they're not that good with maths and uh, science, I'm going to tell them to be a plumber or an electrician because there will always be a demand and an increasing demand. So I think you're going to get two levels of um, work that's really popular, the, the people who can use computers and the people who can use tools. <laughs> and the people who can only stand on a factory floor, sadly, are going to be replaced by robots and, and AI. So that's my take on that one. But I'm when we have another program, I'd really like to talk about um, the the benefits, the environment of remote work and IT. So we, we're running on 22 minutes. We still have a little bit of time here. Uh, Vesna, quick one, developments in software, or Mary could perhaps chime in after you've answered this one. Big changes in apps that we use on the phone. Do you see anything coming there? Um, anything new? Yeah, possibly. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know anything specifically, but I would imagine that just more of this, um, you know, collaborative apps and, and things like that to help people even on the go on their phones, if they're not right in front of their computer at the time, once we're allowed to go out, um, <laughs> is I think stuff like that would be, would be perfect. Getting apps in, in place like that, that would really, really help everyone connect and be more open slack is great but then you know to try and make it easier for everyone to connect and and to get together on the fly and things like that would be fantastic to see coming coming in yeah good mary what, what have you got on that any ideas there 
Well, you know, there's always room for, for improvements, right? And, um, you know, there are great platforms and tools, you know, for project management, for, for communicative collaborations. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of, uh, as a company, picking the one that fits your needs and uh, multiple tools. Communication is so super, especially if you're working with um, multiple, um, well, across cultural um, communication and um, uh, setting up a, a, a community, a company culture <laughs> is, is more difficult, right? And that's really sure. important. So there has to be a, a company culture and a, a way of doing things and expectations and just, you know, that's, that's super important. But with apps, um, anything that can make it easier and more reliable, let's just say, clearer, more reliable connections, um, where, um, you know, the internet is always a big thing. You know, that's, that's every remote worker's nightmare is, you know, in, in the middle of a communication or a call and your internet goes down or whatever. So, I mean, that's the one frustration we all have and the one worry we always have. Um, yeah. Anything that can improve the reliability, the efficiency of, of all those communication platforms would be, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. And you know what, I would just add very quickly that in moments of crisis, often that's when new ideas are spawned. It's really an innovation. So I, you know, I'm sure we are going to see a lot more people becoming more creative in how we communicate in how we do things. Uh, and we're probably going to see more software development. Absolutely. I can see it. Yeah, that's good, Kathleen. Yeah. I mean, look what came out of the Second World War. Um, everything from jet engines to the very early computers, right? Mechanical computers. That all came out of the decoding machines that they had in the war. So, yeah. Uh, and lots more that we... A quick one. I know none of you are hardware developers. Any ideas on what we're going to see in new hardware? I'll throw one in. I, I believe one of the big limiting factors on phones is the small screen. I know our screens are way bigger than the early phones we used to have, but these are now getting cumbersome to carry around. Right? So what about holographic projection so you don't need a screen? Do you think we're going to see that in our lifetimes? I've seen a few different things, projections onto arms and mm -hmm. folding, you know, the folding screens that are, they're coming out and I don't know how viable they are, but um, yeah, that would be really interesting actually, because the, the phones have just kind of been the same nonstop. And, and I think even just for people who have accessibility, different accessibility needs, um, mm -hmm. just having something different than a phone would be fantastic. I, I don't know what that would look like. Um, but yeah, that would be very exciting. Because my understanding is if, if you didn't need a screen that big, the phone could be a fraction of that size. The battery would be the next biggest thing, right? The actual mm -hmm. yeah. uh, hardware to run the phone is, is really small. Now, I just wondered if you had any ideas on that. And then, of course, we're looking at this whole autonomous car story as well and the electric vehicles and self-driving. There's another brand new game we're, we're not that far off 30 minutes so i'm going to go around the three of you and we'll start um, with Vesna. do you just want to take a, a quick minute and tell any people who would like to get hold of you for contact you for um, using your services how they can contact you um yes thank you they can find me on linkedin so vesna leonard b-e-s-n-a and leonard i'm the only one um so that's the best kind of place uh you can also email me if you want at vesna at worksforyou.com and that's w-r-x uh, number four y-o-u.com um that would probably be the best uh 
the best way to reach me. Great. And then who's going to talk on behalf of Kerry Check? Mary, you want to give a contact for Kerry Check? <laughs> sure. I mean, our, our website is, is uh, kerrytechsolutions.com and it's um, email mary at kerrytechsolutions.com or Kathleen at kerrytechsolutions.com. Kerry, K-A-R-Y. That's great. And anyone who wants to get hold of me for, we're always looking for interesting people to interview for our podcast. So peterwrightsblog.com and there's a whole lot of contact details on there, phone numbers and emails. And you'll find us on Facebook, YouTube and various other places. So uh, something that we've got a minute and I'm going to pick business brands again here because you said something that really caught my attention way back. You said you went nomadic, remote nomadic and you gave your kids a world education. Just take a minute and tell us a little bit about that experience. Uh, well, speaking of crisis, um, it was two thousand just past 2008, and we know how that all turned yeah. out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a lot of stress and anxiety, similar to today, um, over the mortgage and the kind of house we put ourselves into in the KW area. Um, Mike was running a business, my husband, and I, uh, was also starting up our business. Um, he was in financial planning at the time. And out of that, uh, came an idea through hearing, uh, a man taking his family on the road in the U S and, and continuing to work. Um, so we started selling everything in, after a trip to Serbia, which we based out of for about seven years. Um, but at the time we'd taken that trip. We'd spent three weeks there and we carried on our meetings and, and everything and everything was great. Came home, sold everything, um, got rid of the house, got rid of the mortgage, sold absolutely everything we owned, stuck three young kids in a tent trailer and, and hit the road um, oh, that's, and never that's, looked back. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I'm sure your children will treasure that experience. I think Kathleen has to go. She oh, has sorry. something she's got to attend to. So we, we're going to wrap it up for today. So, Thank you very much for being on, all of you. And Thank until you. next time, that's it from the Yacking Everything About Nothing show. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.